Check, one, two. <clears throat> Buckle my shoe, Check. three, four, right out the door. Welcome back <laughs> to another rousing episode of the Pulp Copcast. We're back again. <laughs> we have a friggin' another guest, but a man on the podcast that we've seen before, or heard before. We've both you seen, seen me, too. And heard. Yeah. This is the worst intro. Yeah, this is bad. Uh, hey, here are those, Gabe. Bryce? <laughs> it's back in the studio. I'm Bryce. Bryce, Bryce has been on like several. Bryce. Yeah, I've been on. Our, I, our big who's podcast? your most featured guest? Is it me or is it? Uh, I think it might be Allie. It's Allie or oh, you. Yeah. But if sure. we're talking, well, hey, every Mando episode. Oh, oh, we did that, huh? <laughs> but also, not even including Mando. If we're talking words per capita, Allie usually doesn't say as much. We're back. We're here to talk about underwater. <laughs> Gabe's favorite movie I, I of 2019. No, wait, 2020. We're here to talk about Sucker Punch. Oh, my God. Did you guys see Sucker Punch? Yes, in the theaters. I did not see it in theaters. I actually was at the Comic-Con. I was in Hall H when Zack Snyder came up and introduced the Sucker Punch idea. I think he showed, like, some test footage or footage from the film. And it was, like, a big deal because it was going to be Zack's first movie where it was his brainchild and he wrote the script and it was an original story everything came from him in that movie and so all the people who were really obsessed with Zack Snyder before that were like this is gonna be so legit and uh then we watched it (laughs) when it came out in the theaters it's multi-genre mainly steampunk vibes well because of the the dream nature of it it sort of does a lot of crazy stuff right like there's samurais and there's fantasy elements yeah multi-genre yeah but 300 was really good was sucker punch between watchmen and man of steel Mm -hmm. i think so yeah yeah imagine christopher nolan watching sucker punch and thinking this is the guy i need for man of steel (laughs) that's what blew my mind honestly when i was like oh Zack snyder's gonna direct man of steel i mean to be fair despite their flaws watchmen and 300 were incredible yeah <laughs> i mean there's a lot of problems in snyder filmmaking but those movies they're extremely memorable and if we're thinking about comic book adaptations watchmen is one of them that is <laughs> you're right that is a comic book adaptation he got a lot Platitudes. of it. He, he got, it was a good, pretty good for a joke <laughs> <laughs> that's my joke <laughs> what are we here to talk about today Zack snyder's latest foray the resurgence of the 2017 yeah the much what's the opposite of lauded it was it was kind of shotted, panned. Yeah, Justice League came out in 2017. It was Warner Brothers' attempt at capturing the Avengers magic without doing all the legwork. Correct. And it was there's a lot. Should we even go into the history of what happened with that movie? We will, but yeah, let's talk about what we're talking about today. So today we're talking about Joss Zack Snyder's Justice, Justice League. <laughs> it is called <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League, also known as the Snyder Cut. Yeah. seen a lot of crazy things happen in your time (laughs) in my day when it comes to pop culture for example arrested development getting canceled and then the announcement when netflix said they're doing a season four was just blew people's minds was streaming also the reason like x files came back no but the popularization of this reviving culture of like punky brewster just came back i don't even know if you guys know what that is no remember we're like 12 yeah you guys are 12 so (laughs) Punky Brewster was this show back in the 80s about a young girl. It's a sitcom, and they just brought her back for the Peacock channel. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Literally everything is getting revival. They're shooting the Friends revival right now. With the original cast? With the original cast. There's just so much. Anyway, this is a different kind of revival. This, this is, is unprecedented. Is unprecedented. I, yeah. I never thought anything like this would ever happen. Even Warner Brothers, the production studio that made the original Justice League that they released in 2017, said this is a pipe dream and would never take place. And here we are. Yeah, here we are. You mean giving Snyder the chance to do this? To finish yeah. what he had started. Yeah. So let's get into not just what Justice League is, but what happened. Because I think yeah. collectively we know a lot about this. I'll, and let, I'll let you two tell the story because you probably know it better. Why don't you set up, talk about Man of Steel set and, the stage. and Batman versus Superman. So um, this whole DC you know, superhero 
cinematic universe thing started with um, when Christopher Nolan was wanting to continue his Dark Knight trilogy, but with a Superman movie. And he was eyeing Zack Snyder as the potential director for that. So Chris Nolan produced, Zack Snyder directed it, and... Um, Coming off of the end of Dark Knight Rises. Yep, same year later, I think, right? So um, this was 2013. So this is 2013, Man of Steel releases to, you know, middling reviews. Um, did it do well at the box office? I think it did do it, pretty well. It was like a kind of like a CC yeah, plus movie. Yeah, yeah. And and at the time, the promise was that it was going to continue the cinematic nature of Nolan's Batman universe, but going to expand mm-hmm. on that. And it was going to launch a whole DC universe, Man yeah, of Steel. Yeah. Out of Nolan's Batman? No, no, no. It was going to have the tone of that Batman oh, universe, but gotcha, launch gotcha. a new universe. So they right, knew from right. the beginning there would be a new Batman yeah, fairly certain Christian Bale was quickly he, out. And, <laughs> he saw the, yeah. the Dark Knight Rises scene, so I think I'm good, guys. Yeah, he was out halfway through that movie, probably. <laughs> yeah, right. Check he out. actually broke his back. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, so anyways, Minister Steel releases to you know see ratings and box office success and um, good and bad. Yeah, I happen to love it. I think all of us in this room love that movie. Parts of it, at least seventy five percent. Parts of it, <laughs> a, a healthy, a healthy majority. Love it. Um, I really like that movie. Yeah, me too. So what happened after Man of Steel? Anyway, so after Man of Steel, Warner Brothers was like, yo, Zaddy. um, Zaddy. God damn it. What's your next thing? And so he makes Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Which was a promised movie from Warner Brothers for a long time. If you go back and watch I Am Legend with Will Smith, it's projecting into the future. And there's a poster for a Batman versus Superman movie in that movie. Really? I didn't even know that. As a billboard. And this is before it was ever even announced before man of steel before Zack snyder that was like 2007 started, yeah it was really a long wow. time ago so That's this was a batman versus superman was a movie that was supposed to come out for a long time and it was hotly anticipated and warner Bros. said yeah we're gonna make it they just kept saying yeah 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 but they never actually did and snyder was the only one who actually could make it happen mm-hmm. yeah so then it happens so he did it <laughs> he did it um 2016 batman versus superman dawn of justice releases to Pretty bad reviews. Less than pretty, middling. Yeah, less than middling. It did make a fair bit of money. I think it was yeah. more successful than... It made its money back and then some. Yeah, which is all you can hope for. This so what happened with that movie? <laughs> so the reason it didn't get good reviews is because Warner Brothers stepped in and yeah. told Zach to cut right. about a half hour out of his movie. That's key. That's key. Zach traditionally always makes a director's or ultimate cut of his movie that usually is much better than the theatrical release that audiences tend to see. Yeah, he intentionally makes movies that are too big to be cut down to a nicer film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so funny that he does that consistently. Consistently. I mean, yeah. And we'll we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Even with the extended cut, I think the general reception to BVS probably would have been not amazing because a lot of the critiques that the general viewing audience had were not just because of the things that the extended version provided. So let's get into that. Yeah. So so the theatrical release of Batman versus Superman was considerably worse. Even I walked away from that theater going, what the heck just happened? Yeah, yeah. We all, three of us collectively, but separately, watched the ultimate edition, the three-hour three director's hour cut, cut yeah. of Batman vs. Superman. We all were kind of unanimous. Like, that was a really good movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I think generally anybody who's seen it is like, that is yeah. unequivocally and a better movie. It's because it, it has time to flesh out the characters and it yeah. is the original vision of what Zack was doing yeah. with that film and those characters. So anyway, the reason we're talking about this is because that is essentially it's going to play into our feeling and the general audience reaction surrounding this yeah. Justice League movie. Yeah, so something to note too with, with Batman vs. Superman and Man of Steel, some of the big hiccups people have with both films is that they were just too dark. You know, we're watching Superman and he only smiles like twice. In, yeah. in both the films and he's supposed to be a symbol of like hope and optimism mm-hmm. and so a lot of people don't really like the dark tone that, that Zack Snyder's taken on and Zack Snyder's filmmaking style has sort of informed the style of what the DC universe would be going forward and right. so there's a lot of trepidation there with the future movies namely the one that was going to start shooting two months after Batman vs Superman came out mm-hmm. Justice League so Zack Snyder starts shooting that. Warner Brothers was sprinting into their cinematic universe. Yes, yes. And Warner <laughs> Brothers also sprinting onto set and telling Zack Snyder, like, hey, you got to pull back a it little bit. It was a bit. year later. We right? also need to say that 
Warner Brothers is seeing the success of Marvel this whole time. Yeah. And they're yeah. trying to mimic what Marvel's doing while also creating their own films with their own tone. But they saw the success of Avengers in 2012, and they're trying to recreate that as fast as possible. Skip to mm-hmm. dessert without eating dinner first. And yeah. So, so, yeah, immediately after Batman vs. Superman, Zack started shooting Justice League in March of 2016? Beavis came out in March 2016. It started in April of 2016, which oh. is literally the month after. So really just no time to yes. take no time to reception die. into account. They were betting on Zack Snyder, as they still should. As they still should. <laughs> Hashtag restore the Snyder. So throughout the production of Justice League, as with a lot of auteurish superhero movies there's just an insane amount of studio oversight and with Zack Snyder he's a guy who doesn't really jive so well with that but in the middle of the production as Warner Brothers was telling him to cut his four-hour movie down to under two Zack suffers a family tragedy Um, super tragic uh, very tragic Um, just a brief comment from the timeline of this because I did a little bit of research he had assembled a very rough assembly cut Mm -hmm. Uh, initially, which I think was actually even longer than four hours. And that was when his daughter passed. So he actually had a cut. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just footage. Right, right. Apparently he shot six hours worth of a movie, cut it down to four. And then from there, he cut it down to something around 315. But Warner Brothers was trying to get him to cut it down below two and a half. That is the fight that he was facing when we were just saying that his daughter tragically passed. So anyways, Zach has an assembly cut of Justice League coming in around three-ish, four-ish hours and suffers a family tragedy. And then he did step away. But Warner Brothers kind of takes advantage of that tragic moment in his life and took that opportunity right. to take a director that they could tell exactly what to do. Not just any director. Yeah. They, the director from the Avengers the movies. The first Avengers movies. Post yes. Age of Ultron, Joss Whedon. Yeah. In all Whedon. his glory. Whedon. It is Whedon. He's Whedon yeah. to me. Yeah. So Justice League has this new director, Joss Whedon. And to finish what Zach had started, exactly. that's at least what they said to the public. Exactly. But what he was really doing was Joss Whedon has a past as a dickhead. He's he's like known for like basically just a lot of script work and taking scripts and making them more concise. And I mean, he's a a good writer for all intents and purposes, but he took this super long script and took essentially 40 minute chunks of a really long movie and tried to convey all of that information in two to three minute scenes. And so the term people use to describe the film as it came out is abomination, Frankenstein or abomination (laughs) of of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. gutting entire character arcs. Yeah. So Joss Whedon, he finishes the movie. He reshoots. Basically, he takes about, I think, 20% of what Zack Snyder had shot, maybe less. And the rest, 80% of the movie, Joss reshoots. And- yeah. He took the opportunity of a month that was scheduled for reshoots and rewrote 80% of the movie and reshot 80% of what ended up being his version of the movie. Mm-hmm. Important to say, though, that 28% of a five-hour movie is still an hour. Yeah. So most of that film is still a lot of footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of it was Zach's. He took what was supposed to be just the time to, to make reshoots for Zach's version of the movie and rewrote 80% of the two-hour movie that we ended yeah. up seeing. Yeah. It's a yeah. very So, different. I mean, on all accounts to then released this film in 2017 called Justice League, where you're introducing an entire universe of characters and have it be under two hours was crazy and pretty universally panned for that, not being able to do it. <laughs> not Yeah, the, the film couldn't do what it was trying to do, and it ended up just as this just weird... It did poo what it was trying to poo, yeah, it's though. nice. But it's even nice. falling flat on that, it just it felt like there were dissonant voices inputting into the film. Like, the, the stuff Wedden shot Whedon. Sorry, that's I need to post it note on my mic to say. <laughs> I've Whedon. literally never heard anyone ever call him Wedden before. You never so met it, a guy like me. It's every fine. time, every <laughs> time you say it, I'm I'm like, what is he saying? Oh, oh, Whedon. Like, Whedon Wed stuff, is he saying? The Whedon stuff is very tonally different than the Snyder stuff. Yeah, I mean, Joss Whedon took this opportunity to recolor the film, recolor the film, completely saturate it, rewrite individual scenes just to add a quip. Jokes, yeah, a lot of it, yeah, a lot of jokes. jokes. I didn't understand how many jokes there were until I watched in a compilation online. Yeah, there's a lot of weird jokes in Justice League. It's crazy, but yeah. So basically, he just shoot releases. Oh, oh, he also really fleshed out the romance between Batman and Wonder Woman. God damn! Oh man. (laughs) 
I forgot about that. <laughs> it's so rich. Get on Bruce. Anyways, how'd that film do? Film comes out. It is. Uh, it's a bomb. Wonder Woman came out before that, right? Yeah. Yep. In quick succession. And Wonder Woman was a rousing success. It was a smash hit. Most people really enjoyed Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Everyone just, I talked to. Yeah. Yeah. And it got great ratings on all Even the... people Stephen didn't talk to liked it. <laughs> <laughs> but people still had hope is what I was saying yeah. in the DC extended universe is what they were calling it. Right before Justice League. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Justice League dropped in 2017. <sighs> Yeah, nothing was good about the reception. There. I went to see that alone at night going, just have to see it because it's a Justice League movie. You had your yeah. hood up. You didn't want anyone it's to see it. It's a Justice League movie. Like yeah. I've been waiting my whole life to see a Justice yeah, League yeah. live action movie. And so I had to go see it. Holy. I walked away going, I was already trying to justify how to make that movie good in my mind. I wanted to call it good. The impossible task. So after the release of 2017 Justice League. Aquaman. <laughs> People really started to lose faith in what Warner Brothers was doing. Zach was no longer involved, essentially, because he was taking a break. Mind you, Zach's wife is also a producer on these films. And so not only did Zach leave, but Deborah Snyder also stepped away from working on the film. Interesting to note, Chris Nolan and Deborah Snyder agreed to not let Zack Snyder watch Joss Whedon's cut of his film because they thought it would break him. Well, no, they were urging him never to watch it. And he didn't, right? As far as we know. Still hasn't but seen it. But he did say something recently how he sort of is curious now yeah, that yeah. his cut's out. Anyway, so people started to lose faith in the DC universe and then Aquaman came out and it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. It did better like, than Justice League. Yeah. <laughs> It did. It did do better in Justice League. It was directed by... James Wan. Who did Fast and the Furious films and is a really good director, honestly. See The Conjuring? Yeah, and he's an extremely good director, very proficient. Aquaman was quite a spectacle. You know, it's full of really quick-moving... CGI? <laughs> Dialogue, I was You know what's say? fascinating to me about Aquaman is that it took one of the biggest critiques of the Snyderverse, which is the sort of exorbitant use of CGI, the kind of just like, well, for lack of a better word, cluster f- of climaxes in these films. And it somehow made an enjoyable, depending on who you talk to, a more or less enjoyable film that was the most CGI we'd ever seen. And that came out in December of 2018, I think. And then we got a Shazam movie. Oh, yeah. Which also is supposed to take place in this universe. Although, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Although we never saw any Shazam before this. And then we got a Wonder Woman sequel just this last Christmas. And we don't really need to talk about that one, right? (laughs) And we're just not even going to bring up Suicide Squad or Birds of Prey. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Wait, the Suicide Squad. (laughs) Unrelated. We really don't need to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, there were a lot of films in this movie. I forgot about those two. So, okay. One of the weird things about Warner Brothers being in control of the DC Universe, and take this from someone who knows a lot about the DC comics, is that they sort of have banked on using Margot Robbie artists or directors and casting their vision to make movies taking some ancillary characters in the DC universe that shouldn't be at the forefront. There's so many really good characters that they could be using to begin franchises around a lot of really good IP. And then once those directors or artists make that movie, somewhere in the process, they kind of take away their legs and cut them down Mm -hmm. and then release some sort of version of that film. For example, Suicide Squad, David Ayer has been coming out lately on Twitter and saying how his movie is not what he intended it to be. He originally made this sort of really heartfelt drama surrounding these characters. And then Warner Brothers sort of made him cut it into and refilm and reshoot it to be sort of like a Deadpool. Uh, Hot Topic kind of movie. Yeah, exactly. Something that would be sold at Hot Topic. Damaged. And so David Ayer, who's the director of Suicide Squad, and that movie did not do super well critically. Critically. (laughs) It didn't do well critically. It won an Academy Award. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. What was it for? Effects or or costume design? Yeah. Yeah. It's an Academy Award winning movie before any Marvel movie won an Academy Award. God bless. So David Ayer has come out saying, why can't we release my cut of this film? And Warner Brothers is really saying no right now. Again, they're saying it's a pipe dream, just like they did with to Zack Snyder's. Is anyone cut asking for that? Is I would love to see it. I would love the to see David it Ayer too. cut. I'd yeah. love to see that movie. Because yeah. honestly, there is a lot of really interesting stuff that was filmed, even that were shown in the trailers for Suicide Squad that never made it to the final yeah. film. Especially stuff between Jared Leto's Joker that we've never seen and Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Anyway. So these movies came out and the DCEU, as they call it, is sort of limping after Justice League. 
and people are wondering what the heck is going on. And the fans who were promised this sort of beginning of this launch of the DC universe surrounding Zack Snyder's Justice League and then ended up getting this Joss Whedon version of the Justice League. Justice League. That fans are online calling Justice League. They started tweeting and rallying on the internet saying, release the Snyder Cut. Enter coronavirus. Release the Snyder Cut for years. This went on. And Warner Brothers responded again saying, this is a pipe dream. This will never happen. Mm-hmm. And there was even this moment, I remember, where all of the release the Snyder Cut fans were like, we're going to meet at Warner Brothers and pick it outside. Oh and there was a picture that was released of maybe eight to 12 people oh my in God. costumes with signs. That was the crowd that showed up for the release of Snyder Cut. They're the best of us. And that's that's <laughs> when I best. sort of <laughs> lost hope in the release of Snyder Cut campaign. I was like, oh, it'll never happen because it's just a few small voices actually trying to make this happen. Anyway, so for a long time, years, Warner Brothers kept saying no. And then coronavirus happened, just like Gabe said. And the game changed. And HBO Max hit at the same time. It was a day. I think like it was maybe November-ish of 2019 where that hashtag had like a million people were tweeting about that hashtag, release the Snyder Cut. And that was even like the lead cast, Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot. Right, Ezra Miller. Yeah, Ezra Miller, Ray Fisher, and Jason Momoa. And Henry Cavill, of course, yeah. And so there was a lot of ammunition behind this. And supposedly around that time, there was a call between the then head of like the DC stuff at Warner Brothers. I don't remember who it was. They talked to Zack Snyder and was like, hey, I guess we got to do this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so they called him? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as the story goes, you know. Zach's always been willing. Before Warner Brothers ever reached out to him, he was always like, yeah, I'd love to finish it. I'd love for the public to see it. I love that the fans are rallying behind me and that they're interested. So he's like, if Warner Brothers ever calls me, I'll be here. And he's literally saying the same thing right now about doing sequels to this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Hashtag restore to the Snyderverse. <laughs> so anyways, there's an official announcement. I think it was May of 2020, um, you know, a couple months into the pandemic. They announced um, it on like a some sort of group meeting where they had everyone. Yeah, right? yeah Zack Snyder was doing like a, like a fan event, like a Q&A with fans. And then at the end of it, he announced that the Snyder Cut was real. And with Henry Cavill, out. right? Yeah, and that, that it was coming out and um, that's so cool. Sometime in 2021. And they yeah. said originally that they were going to put 40 million, million more dollars yeah. into this cut. So the idea was, I mean, the movie, Zack Snyder shot the movie. It was done. It just had to be finished with CGI. And so that budget was going to go towards that. Oh, A uh, lot of CGI. You know, somewhere in the process. Too. In score as well. Yep. And yep. editing. Mm-hmm. Um, so somewhere, and Zack and Deborah Snyder didn't make any money on it. That actually didn't come out until right like when it recently. released yeah but they did all of it for free because yeah and people think because zach didn't want to be controlled by warner brothers anymore yeah, yeah. <laughs> for them to have to like make him say something but also the other element is that hbo max which is warner brothers and hbo's sort of streaming channel service hit in the middle of the coronavirus and they needed content for it and a lot of these studios they're having these streaming services come out i know this because we've met with disney plus at the company that we work for and they're like yeah we essentially have a blank check we just we're just looking just for content. Need content yeah and i actually was at warner brothers six or eight months when they were talking about hbo max coming out and they're like yeah we're literally just looking for like warner brothers keeps having these meetings where they're like we just need content like if anyone can think of anything let us know. Yeah. And so, I mean, somebody at Wonder Brothers is probably like, well, we got this streaming service coming out. We have this film that's done just sitting on a yeah. shelf somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Like, we could probably and we make have this these thing happen of people on for Twitter. not too much money. Yeah. Turns out it ended up being a lot more money than they anticipated. <laughs> I think the, the final almost twice as cost, much. Yeah. $70 million to finish the movie. Um, <laughs> it's like another movie. And originally they said they weren't going to do any reshoots. Yeah, no reshoots. That was part of the agreement. And Zach's, Zach's response was, I'm just going to do it anyway. He said he shot one of the reshoots on his driveway. Yeah, yeah. Which is so awesome. I know. Well, all he needed was the actor, some makeup, and a green tarp. Yeah. Right. I remember watching the BTS when Zach first released 300 and all he was using was a green tarp. And I was like, what is he? This is weird. Like, I've never... He shot the whole movie with green screen? That's never been done before. The ghost of George Lucas lives on. Yeah. <laughs> Zack Snyder. And then... Uh, George Lucas is still alive, by the way, everybody. What? <laughs> the Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. That was kind of the test movie to see if that could actually be done. 
Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so Zach shot this stuff. It was only he like shot, one scene that he reshot. It was three-ish it, scenes. Yeah. All, the whole nightmare sequence was shot during the pandemic, and then he shot another scene with Ezra Miller in the UK while he's shooting Fantastic Beasts. He used the Fantastic Beasts crew to shoot Ezra Miller via like Zoom, which is pretty dope. What scene? I'm not actually sure about that. I don't know what scene, but I know he did shoot a scene with Ezra Miller in the UK on the Fantastic Beasts set. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And he shot Leto, Jared Leto's Joker, which is a scene during the finale of this film. And Ben Affleck came back to reprise his role. And Joe Manganiello or whatever came back. But the scene with Jared Leto and Ben Affleck's Batman was shot in two separate days because the timing didn't work out. All this was confirmed by Deborah Snyder. She basically was wanting to say all that. And so you couldn't actually tell that they were shot on separate days. Um, yeah. because Zack Snyder actually shot them too. He was like camera operator. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He's really known for taking control of the camera and mm-hmm. putting a super depth of focus lens on. and <laughs> Very distinct. And, then, and racking in and out. <laughs> he loves racking. Anyway, so <laughs> Warner Brothers greenlit this project and it just released. March 18th, 2021. Mark your calendar. Yep. The Snyder Cut has been released. To the public. And the yeah. fan response has been overwhelmingly positive. It's been. <laughs> yeah. And critic response. Yeah. Mind you. Critics are like, this is amazing. It's basically a masterpiece. Yeah. The critics are saying that and a lot of fans are saying that as well. Um, it's not like a. Perfect. Well, okay. <laughs> it's not a traditional. It's still a four hour movie. But it's not a traditional film masterpiece like 2001 Space Odyssey. This is a masterpiece kind of in its own genre. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people saying it's a quote unquote low key masterpiece, yeah. like in its own right. And it's because this movie, from, from Zach's own words, the intention behind it was to immediately make two more sequels to this Justice League movie. Because his whole idea behind making it was to make it this large cinematic event that would mirror a trilogy like Lord, Lord of, the, of Rings. the Rings. And we were supposed to get this part, which was like a really long three to four hour film. Then a sequel, which would be another three to four hour film, like Two Towers and then A Return of the King. Which he said the third Justice League was going to sort of be the quasi Man of Steel sequel that mm-hmm. we'll never see because it was supposed to be mainly very Superman heavy. Anyway, that's what was supposed to happen. But that's why this Justice League film, Zack Snyder's Justice League, is as long as it is and it's as epic and grand as mm-hmm. it is. And, and all that context is to say that this movie is presented in a way and has been released in a way no other film has ever had before. It asks true. you to look at it in a completely different way than you've ever looked at another film. You see a four-hour film on HBO Max, but it's, we can get into this more later, but it's just, it's like a saga in itself. But the film is literally presented like the extended editions of Lord of the Rings, you know? First of all, it's freaking long. It's in a different aspect ratio than every other film you've ever seen on a TV. Oh, right. It's presented in like a sort of four by three, you know, square because format. it was supposed to originally be a very IMAX heavy movie and yep. that's the IMAX format yep. yeah so it's presented in that way it's four hours long it's also broken up the chapters on HBO Max and it has this like weird apostrophe at the beginning of it it's Zack Snyder's Justice League and so you're seeing this on your streaming service and you almost know instantly they're like okay this is I'm not just going to be watching the Justice League movie I saw in 2017 I'm watching something that Probably could only exist on this format. That is true. Also, it's called Zack Snyder's Justice League for everyone listening because Warner Brothers told him this will not be within the canon Mm. that we've been trying to create with our films. Mm -hmm. So they're like, the Justice League movie still stands. This is just your special director's cut of it. Yeah. But it's interesting what you're saying, because, I mean, who knows what movies are going to look like after the pandemic and like where it's going to go from here. And and with streaming being so heavy and HBO Max putting out their films on streaming and theaters at the same time, maybe we will get longer movies in the future, especially ones that fans want to see. Maybe in the theaters, they'll release a two and a half hour cut. And the same day on streaming, they'll release like a director's cut of that movie. Mm -hmm for fans that like really want to see it. I could totally see that happening. But overall, what's really funny about this is that Zach shot over four hours, you know, thinking like, here, this is going to be a mega cut of this film. And I'm just going to have to cut it down, cutting out a lot of probably really necessary parts. I mean, even looking at the four hour cut now, there's probably only like 
four very small like minutes and scenes that I would take out of it mm-hmm. because in my mind it's it's pretty glorious but each Lord of the Rings film when they came out in the theaters they were like two and a half hours maybe 240 sometimes and then the extended editions are all like three and a half to close to four so you know it's not that far off from like something that could only be on this because I could see a 245 version of this of Zack Snyder's Justice League in theaters released theatrically if Warner Brothers would have allowed it but I don't know I do wonder though if the chapter scenes thing was a product of this was a product of the HBO Max release I think the original intention he wanted to release a four-hour movie in theaters with an intermission oh so that's so rad yeah, I know. Um, so he wanted to do this like kind of hateful eight, um, or like Lawrence of Arabia kind of thing, which is really cool. Which is really and has cool. never been done in the superhero yeah. genre. I mean, and before I knew that, when I saw the film for the first time, like one of my initial reactions was like I enjoyed it, but I was thinking like, what the hell was this dude thinking shooting this much for a theater? Seriously, though. <laughs> yes, like this is a long ass movie, and in a theater, it was just—I just really don't think it would have played that well. Yeah, a cut down version. Not without an intermission. Sure, but yeah, sure. yeah. But <laughs> your movie's so long, you literally need to give people like a twenty-minute break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm right now. I'm currently in an intermission of the film. I, I started <laughs> last night, and I, <laughs> I got part two tonight. <laughs> But yeah, well, let's get into what your initial thoughts. Migo, you go, Gabe. I liked it a lot. I'm someone who uh, generally enjoys longer films. Like, I adored the almost three-hour Blade Runner. Endgame was three hours, and I thought every minute of it was important. Like Steven said, there's only a few things I would have trimmed as an editor to get this to what Bryce and I call a tight three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> hour cut which is a great term <laughs> uh but you know it is being what it is i thoroughly enjoyed it i watched it a second time recently two weeks later and it was still just as enjoyable for the most part if not more so it is an experience obviously it's not perfect most of us well the three of us that are in this room right now we're all more or less <laughs> fans of what snyder's done with this movie with this movie with DC yeah. in general so far. I, I, oh, I yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, yeah I'm I, not... But as a whole, like what Snyder's done, <laughs> I, I was like, mm. no, I mean, I mean, I mean uh, Snyder's DC films. For... I did like his zombie movie, and I'm actually looking forward to the new one. Dawn of the Dead was uh, What's epic. the new one that's coming out on oh, Netflix or something? Yeah. Mm, yeah, like Army like, of the Dead. Army yeah. of the Dead, yeah. Which looks like insane but fun, but Dawn of the Dead was, anyway. But I'm curious, because you've said that a couple of times now, it's not a perfect film yeah so i'm curious specifically what you might be talking well about. Zack snyder specifically as a creator of because it's not even fair to just call him a director at, at this point i wouldn't call him an auteur but he is like bryce said he is the mastermind of this dceu yeah in both story and in visual in style, style yeah. but he is to me someone who can get lost in the sauce so to speak sometimes and there are moments especially in this four-hour <laughs> cut of justice league that are very self-indulgent yeah um, not just self-indulgent, but also kind of silly and ridiculous. No, I totally... Those moments agree. would be the first thing I would cut from the film that you wouldn't lose anything in my mind. You, you know, you'd shave off maybe a minute or two of a scene here and you could completely remove like yeah. a scene here. Completely remove like at least one Icelandic folk song. Um, <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? For what? The song. The Icelandic folk song of the women singing. Uh, Yeah, so not entirely. Those moments are really good. But yeah, like I yeah, said, I, I think there are so many of those examples throughout the film like the singing in iceland <laughs> like also <laughs> bryce and i were talking about before the arrow that the amazonians shoot those are very great important scenes but they are just a little bit too long and those minutes add up to the point where i think you could cut the film down but also scenes like 
the Jared Leto thing I thought was totally I like the idea of the nightmare sequence but I think mm-hmm. for instance Jared Leto was completely unnecessary yeah that Especially, we should say the general critical consensus from what I've seen so far in podcasts I've listened to people love the movie but that part of the epilogue that's just tacked on is very gratuitous yeah also watching it a second time I've decided I'm <laughs> really not a fan of the Martian Manhunter add-in both in his own sequence earlier in the film yeah i am not either and also as a post-credit sequence it was really unnecessary especially if there's no future for this franchise Uh, yeah for people that don't know the reason that that was done it was to be cool obviously because martian manhunter is a key member of the justice league but it was also because they originally shot a scene with the green lantern Uh, it was supposed to be the john stewart green lantern people that don't know is another Another black dude in the DC universe who becomes a Green Lantern of Sector 2814. Mm, yeah, that sector? Earth, yeah, of Earth. And he becomes a protector of Earth. And he joins the Justice League. And so they shot that scene, but it had a green light cast upon Ben Affleck's face, so they couldn't use it. Because Warner Brothers told Zack, no, you can't use this because we have plans for Green Lantern. And he was like, ah, damn, because Green Lantern is dope. But he negotiated another member of the Justice League, which is Martian Manhunter. And that's why they ended up going with that. Yeah. The, that Which, again, still is unnecessary. I agree with what you're saying. I also didn't like their specific look of that Martian Manhunter. The Martian Manhunter in the Supergirl show looks, in my opinion, so much better than that Martian Manhunter, which is a TV show versus this, you know, movie. A CW show, mind you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they only had 70 million. So, yeah, <laughs> they couldn't get it done. Yeah, there have always been things like that in, in Snyder's films for me. Also, now I've never had a problem with his use of CGI and kind of building the world rather than shooting in a world. So, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I'm ready to call it a masterpiece, but it is certainly excellent and very enjoyable. Hmm. And I hope we see more of it, just especially looking compared to what Warner Brothers and Joss did for. The original cut, like gutting the whole cyborg stuff, turning Steppenwolf into a cardboard cutout. It makes you wonder like who's responsible, what they were thinking when they did that. Because there is some really incredible character development in this film, which is it's interesting True. to see it put back in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like all the cyborg yeah. Joe Morton and Ray Fisher are like my favorite parts of this movie as Silas Stone and Victor Stone. Yeah. And Steppenwolf is somehow a sympathetic character sometimes by the way he's getting like just absolutely. Well, it's even the way they animated him. They give him like these puppy dog yeah, eyes. Yeah, he has and... such a, his face sometimes is very like cute and cuddly. It's, it's almost, yeah, it's weird feeling. Yeah. Yeah, because you do empathize. Yeah, like yeah. you're saying. Yeah, it's interesting. Or not necessarily like that he's any has any heroic qualities, but it's obvious that there's so much story yet to tell. So like Bryce said, I can't believe <laughs> Zach did this where he shot so much. He was incredibly ambitious. And again, I wonder what it could have been, but yeah. for what it is, I like it a lot. Can I say one thing about Zack Snyder's directing style? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I agree with you. He does seem a little indulgent at times. And I definitely thought that in every single one of his other movies until I watched this. And this is the first time I think I've ever been like, oh, I think I understand what Zack Snyder, like why he's so indulgent. It landed for me in this movie because I was such a huge fan of the DC comic books that for him taking his time with every single nuance in this film, specifically with each character, with the arrow, with that little Icelandic town worshiping Arthur Curry like a god, all those little things. Like, I just cherish so much being such a fan of the comics, and I wish I would even had more time with them. Mm-hmm. And so it finally clicked for me a little bit more with this movie, why Zack Snyder does what he does. In film school, they taught us that directing is to control time. And what I learned in film school was that, like, say you had five lines to read. Well, the director's job is to sort of communicate to the actor how much time is going to take place between those lines or between those actions so that when all is said and done and it's cut into the edit, how much time is going to take place between those actions or those lines. And so Zach's really unique in the way that he uses time because he knows when to slow down and speed up at the right times. He really knows when to slow down. (laughs) He uses slow motion a lot. That's kind of one of his trademarks. And again, I didn't appreciate that until this movie because in my opinion, looking at an action scene, when you're looking at like a fast-paced action scene like one of Daniel Craig's James Bonds or a Jason Bourne film, it's almost too fast and sometimes shot even on a handheld camera where it's a little shaky and it's really hard to tell what the heck is going on. Thanks, Paul Greengrass. And Zach 
slows down sometimes in the middle of the action and it's to connect you emotionally with the characters again i didn't really appreciate that until i saw this movie and i actually cared about these characters because of my previous history with them because of the comic books but it's just a really unique aspect to Zack snyder's directing and i just wanted to kind of call that out and say i think he's really good at controlling time Mm -hmm. if not anything else Well, I think one of the reasons why it works so well in this film is because he had the four-hour runtime. Yeah. When you have a two-hour film and you have as much slow motion as you did, Mm -hmm. like in a ratio Mm -hmm. sort of way, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't really work as well, I think. It's when time is a constraint on him, (laughs) his films typically aren't as good. But Mm -hmm. when they're uninhibited by time and he has that complete control then they turn out great. Yeah. I mean, we look at, you know, as we were saying before, the director's cuts of all of his films are just better versions. Yeah, they're better versions. You know, take this, for example, the Batman versus Superman Ultimate Edition. Even the ultimate cut of Watchmen. And Watchmen as the well. the integration of the cartoon. That's so fascinating mm-hmm. to watch and how even he weaves in and out of that cartoon that's paralleling the Watchmen universe. You know, it's yeah. so interesting. So he's not a director that takes great instruction <laughs> or, or plays well with, with limitations. But if you don't put any inhibitors on his work, he can create something that is always going to be more enjoyable to watch. Yeah. What's so interesting, though, about what you just said is that he's still nice enough of a guy yeah. that studios still want to work with him and people still want to work with him at the end of the day. And even sometimes realize his vision, which oftentimes when you get artists who are trying to create their vision, they don't really want to do what the production studios want. The production studios are like, well, you're dropped then. Yeah. But with Zack Snyder, people continue time and time again to want to work with him and see his visions realized, which is interesting. Yeah. Really cool to see in the, the BTS for this film on HBO Max, all the cast and crew just talk about how much they love. They want to be like Zack Snyder. <laughs> it's just, it's so nice to to hear that. Yeah. Instead of like sort of jeering remarks, you know, at the side of their mouths about how like, yeah, I would love to work with this guy. Yeah. Jess Whedon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not to draw the direct comparison. But. Zack Snyder, I forget who said this, or maybe it was even Zack himself or his wife, Deborah, that you know, after what they had gone through with their daughter, that he's even more of a better person now. Like he's gone through so much life that he's somebody that you want to be around. Mm -hmm. I also heard that Ben Affleck shooting with him and doing reshoots, which was gosh, four years later, it was like picking up where they left off almost as if the time had not passed, Mm -hmm. which is so interesting. A lot of time passed. A lot of time passed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I think, uh, it's just refreshing to me. I mean, I'm not, I'll say I'm a Zack Snyder apologist since Men of Steel, but it is refreshing to see a very unique singular vision behind a movie that probably doesn't need that in most cases. You know, you can make an Avengers movie that's just going to be, you know, sort of written by Marvel, written by a committee to make a movie that people are just going to factually enjoy, you know, but it's just and we do enjoy them. But it is just nice to see a singular vision that's come to fruition like this. What, you know, Martin Scorsese said about um, superhero movies a couple Mm. years ago. He went on this rant about like how it's not cinema. It's not cinema, and and basically how there's no auteur vision behind any of these films. That's really interesting. And and that was before you know somebody made was, a direct copy of his auteur vision of a film. And it was after Zach already had filmed and had this vision for this, which yep. is interesting. Yeah, and I'm, I'm speaking of uh, the Joker, um, the direct remake of <laughs> a Martin Scorsese film, Taxi. Oh right, Joker. Taxi Driver. Yeah. But. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy not knowing the context. It's very easy to just look at Justice League as this big CGI heavy superheroes punching each other kind of blockbuster film. And it is that. And I love it for that. But it also has one voice behind it and that shows. And I think I find a lot more to enjoy out of that than I do out of a lot of other big, you know, tentpole superhero blockbusters. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just say for me, I loved this movie it almost immediately is now probably in my top three favorite superhero movies of all time um and i'm not even the biggest Zack snyder apologist especially up to this point but i might be now i don't know yeah but man i would kill to see sequels to this movie yeah Um, i just want to see i am really open to the idea of anything goes like i think it's cool that everything is connected in the marvel world and they've done an unbelievable job of making it all fit and work but what i think has been always appealing about 
the, the DC stuff I've been familiar with is that there's all these multiverse ideas and there's just always different stories going on at once. So I'm open to the fact of there being, you know, Ta-Nehisi Coates is writing a, a Superman film featuring a black Superman. I would love to see that. Yeah. I mean, I, it, the idea there, like, I'm sad that I wouldn't see Henry Cavill, <laughs> but that's not an impossibility. You not know? because he's white. <laughs> well, it's no, funny. seriously though. Um, I'm just saying, like, just because I love his version of Superman. I, I love Henry Cavill's version of Superman exactly. Probably and, the best, and Ben Affleck's version of Batman. Yeah, in my opinion, is the best live action Batman I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever get one as good. But I'm open to the fact that, like, you know, we're gonna get Robert Pattinson's Batman, but like, I don't think it's an impossibility that we won't get a Ben Affleck in another DC film again. Or Henry Cavill in another DC film again. And saying that this is Zack Snyder's Justice League, yeah. you're sort of giving him, maybe giving him his own little corner of the world that if there's ever enough momentum behind it, you can restore the Snyderverse and make a, a, a sequel to this film while you're continuing your other Aquaman Parallel cinematic universes. Yeah, I mean, I think that... I'd be down. I don't think that's an impossibility. They yeah. released the Joker film that had nothing to do with these. You know, they're already sort of doing that sort of thing. True. Oh my gosh. There's so much to say there. Well, what do you think? I mean, uh, would you want to see something like that where DC films are sort of released? They don't all have to be connected, but they can be. And they just <laughs> it, you know, shoehorn it into like, oh, it's multiverse. I guess when all is said and done, you could also kind of rephrase that question to be like, would it be interesting to see Warner Brothers make two versions of the same movie, like following the same character and then see which one the fans like more. And then they might actually learn what people actually want and then start making good movies because of that. That would be interesting. Well, they basically did that. (laughs) Well, you're saying with this movie? Yeah. Yeah, I I agree, but I don't think they're going to learn because multiple Warner Brothers executives have already come out and said, we are not going to hashtag restore the Snyderverse. Um, and in fact, what they said is we're disappointed in DC fans, in the fans of these movies for kind of reacting so volatile. That is another point. I Shame on us. The yeah, audience. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It's our fault for making these <laughs> shitty movies. It's our fault for making the last two Batman movies from the nineties and then Green Lantern and Suicide Squad and, and all these other movies that just have failed because of their freaking direction. I could literally rant about this. I mean, I'll just say, I have a very low opinion. No, I get it. And understandably so, but I will say we got, yeah, the Snyder cut happened. And yeah, the, the fact that this happened, I wouldn't, I mean, I'm not holding out for any heroes, literally, <laughs> but I wouldn't doubt that there might be some quote unquote restoration of the Snyderverse in the future. I would absolutely adore that if that happened. And what's interesting is all of the cast, which again, this was from, you know, they shot this stuff four or five years ago now. They're all like, yeah, we come back. Even Ben Affleck, who was like, I'm done with Batman. Because by the way, after Zack Snyder left the production, the promised Justice League sequel got canned in lieu of a Ben Affleck-directed Batman movie. And then Ben Affleck, with all of the backlash of the negative reaction to the Justice League movie, he was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm peacing out. So he left that Batman project, which is why they relaunched it with Robert Pattinson. But even Ben Affleck now is like, yeah, I'll come back. He just did come back to shoot a reshoot with Zack Snyder. It's fascinating. Like This stuff is blowing my mind. It's literally turning what I have always known about Hollywood and how production companies and studios work on its head. It's literally flipping it over and doing something completely strangely like putting power into the hands of the fans which it's like nfts (laughs) it's like the whole gamestop thing yeah Yeah, it's just like the game like putting putting the economy into the hands of the consumer rather than the and then quickly they get shut down right this double-edged sword there i mean i think this film really got born from toxic fandom like Like it was the worst of the worst were the loudest voices that made this thing possible. You know, it took the voices that mattered, the, you know, the casting crew of this film to tweet the hashtag and really get some like leverage behind it. But it is weird to see fans say, this isn't the movie I want. I want something else. Give it to me. And they got it. (laughs) Like... I like what I think there's a conversation there on like, <laughs> like it's pretty true. Should I, I studios think, be appeasing fans that are like just demanding for what they want? Like, yeah. is that the point of? Yeah, I guess I'm asking, is that the point of making a superhero film? Are you making 
what fans want or yes, you just i think production studios are because they're in it for the money well, that's true and that's right. why warner brothers won't give up their rights to their dc the making of the live action films because they don't want to lose that money it's literally money in their pocket mm-hmm. they're probably the most successful films that warner brothers has yeah to be honest as far as an ip or a franchise I love what Marvel has done. I love what they're doing. And I think I am one of those fans who's just like, I want more of that. Like, I want more of... Same. I want to see the DC characters that I've grown up with and and known and loved be realized on screen in an actual appealing and and good way. Like, I want it to be good. I don't want it to be... It, and so far, this is a hot take, but I have hated every iteration of a uh, live action Batman up until Ben Affleck's Batman. And thank you, Zack Snyder, for honestly, thank you for realizing that. And that's because you're a Val Kilmer apologist. Oh, my God. Batman, historically, the way he operates, the way he moves, the way he thinks, the way he reacts and acts has never been captured and realized on screen. Michael Keaton? No. George Clooney? No. Val Kilmer? No. Christian Bale? No. The only people that I've ever seen actually realize Batman on screen apart from a live action Batman as Ben Affleck is Kevin Conroy's Batman and then the stuff that the DC animated universe guys have been doing those guys know what's up and Greg Berlanti and what he's done with the CW universe they're doing something right why not consult those guys all of the DC superhero shows on CW have been pretty decent at least had some success enough to be not canceled and rescheduled from season to season apart from maybe the legends of tomorrow so anyway <laughs> Warner Brothers I just again I have a very low opinion of them because is it Anne Smirnoff or whatever her name is she's like the one saying that I'm disappointed in the DC fans mm. and she's not looking at the fans that are reacting and going this was really good please make more of this and they're like no i feel like they're a bunch of babies like rich babies at the top who are short-sighted having these yeah it's funny that in their desire to make money they're very capable of realizing what could make them money totally totally. (laughs) that you're making the movie for these people why are you shaming them they're the ones that are going to buy the tickets yeah kevin smith tells a really funny story about when he was writing the Superman movie and one of the Warner Brothers producers come along and say, like, I really, I want you to put like a giant spider in the finale of this oh. movie. And he's like, no, like what the heck? Anyway, he left the project and he's like, but I did watch the next film that that producer produced. And guess what? There was a giant spider in the finale of that movie and it was called wild, wild west. And that is such a vision. And, and this is Kevin Smith working with Warner Brothers these producers and these executives who get to make these calls and they're terrible decisions. They're actually shooting themselves in the foot. Like Gabe just said, they want to make money, but they're not doing the thing that they should do to actually make the money, which is lunacy. Yeah, they're really out of touch, but that's consistent across most of the industry. It seems like Marvel's the first studio that's really caught on to what sells. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't have any faith that Warner Brothers will ever get their act together at this point. If they're still, after this success of Zack Snyder's Justice League, displaying this sort of arrogance and stupidity. Really quick, what were your feelings about this movie? Oh, um, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> you watched it a second time too, or you're in the process. Yeah, I'm in the middle of my second watch. It takes a few days. Um, I <laughs> did, I really liked it. <laughs> I think I'm in Gabe's camp. I probably like it maybe a little more than Gabe, but I think I'm in his camp in that it's uh, pretty gratuitous in a lot of ways. I mean, I don't want to undersell how much I like this movie. I just no, think I know, I know, I know. Importance of I like, know you just said you hated it. I just like I, it more. <laughs> this is the worst. But also, I like the word you chose, gratuitous, in a visual sense because it was very uh, yeah. gratuitous, yeah, like violent and gory, and I love that. Yeah, this version was rated R, and it wasn't. Steppenwolf cut a person's head off in this film. Steppenwolf got his head cut off in this. Oh, he did. (laughs) I was like, "Wait, you mean he got his head cut off and a horn?" Yeah, he bisected an Atlantean underwater. I mean, there there is a scene where our superheroes murder Steppenwolf. Honestly, a little sidebar. I thought. The redesign of him was badass. His thought, armor was so cool. His I was armor just telling was so Bryce. cool. I thought just the idea that they redesigned him, that they made him less like human, made him more like sort of beastly. And we're saying, I mean, even with like puppy dog eyes, like his voice is different too. Yeah, uh, he's. I yeah, thought he was great. Uh, he was filled his role perfectly as a middle management um, super villain. You know, Dark Side was cool too. Yes. Yeah. No, I thought this Dark movie... Darkseid was great, actually. Yeah, Darkseid was Porter sick. is a legend, apparently. Uh, he's the guy who did the voice. Yeah. The little hologram animation. So cool. Amazing. His Amazing Mercury hologram. Visual effects. I was... Can I ask a question? No. Do you, no. 
I was just going to ask you guys if you thought this film would have been made, Zack Snyder's Justice League, without the pandemic happening. No. No. Nope. I thought you were going to ask, would it have been made this version that we saw? Would this have been the version that we would have seen in 2017? And I was going to say no to that, too. Because I, think, I, oh, think, yeah, I sure. think if this movie came out in 2017, it would have been two and a half hours long theatrically and people would have probably been tearing it apart. Yeah. I and, even, and I, I think, that I think it actually gives it more legs. Definitely. Now. You know, I thought you know, after I finished watching the first time, I was like, man, I, I really just wish I saw that in 2017 though. But the reality is I, I didn't and I never would have. We wouldn't have. We yeah, had yeah. to get the justice league to get this. You Snyder. really <laughs> did. I mean, I think it, I, I mean, it makes it better by comparison, you know, at least it's a fun talking point, but, um, <laughs> Like what I was going to say, um, <laughs> we can laugh in retrospect, but at the time, no one was laughing. But yeah, I think this movie on exactly what we were just talking about, one of the negative sides to that is that this dude probably had a little too much time to tinker. I think like the, the man Martian, the Martian <laughs> Manhunter scenes, I mean, there's definitely instances where it's like, man, I wonder what else I could add, <laughs> you know, instead of like, what should I add is like, what could I add? Yeah, his swan song magnum opus, just shove it all in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got to bring Jared Leto back. <laughs> I think, you know, I watched uh, Batman vs. Superman the night before I saw this for the first time, um, which is basically the sequel to BVS. The extended edition. And I, I did really like really liked BVS on this rewatch. But what I do like about that film is, um, for context, I never really grew up with superheroes or anything. Like, the first version I ever got of Superman was Henry Cavill. And really, Batman, for that matter, was Ben Affleck. I, I did see the Christopher Nolan ones, but I didn't really grow up on it. And so that film presented a really interesting look at superheroes dealing with like these ideas you never really seen in superhero movies, like dealing with their sort of deification. Like Superman is literally a god. Yeah. And, and I love that. Aspect. And it's, it's so cool. And there's some beautiful sequences to go along with that. And, you know, you see Batman's perspective of like, well, can gods be kept in check? He's our friend now, but what happens when he's not? What can we do about it? Nothing. And and so that's sort of the crux of that movie. But and I think that's what elevates that movie beyond just a punch him up action movie to me this movie i don't feel has that level of depth to it i think i'm okay with that it is what the title says it's a justice league movie it's about seeing the justice league together for the first time and telling a lot of different stories and telling a lot of different stories inside of that so i don't think it needed to have that level of depth that bvs had i mean it's hard for me not to draw the comparison and that i wish there was a little bit more of that i mean these characters are dealing with just horrible things horrible losses and superman in particular has been brought back to life and i feel like we don't get enough of his dealing with that he's been brought back to be a weapon to kill the bad guy for all intents and purposes we were supposed to get more i think that's why he didn't have as much of a prominent yes. role in this I mean, I, yeah. we could all say we always want more Henry, right? I'll take him. Um, I'd take him right now if I could. I'd take him right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, despite this film not reaching that level that I think BVS did in terms of character depth, it did deliver in a lot of other ways. I mean, I think we got that depth with the different characters. I mean, Cyborg, for example. Oh, I mean, yeah. Somebody, I don't even really know who Cyborg is outside of this film. You I know mean, now. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I knew of him, but like, I know nothing about the character. And now like, this is my version of Cyborg and it's a really beautiful story, wonderfully portrayed by Ray Fisher. And who is on the verge of losing his career right now. Yeah. Unfortunately. Because of his experience on Joss Whedon's. Yeah. And I, I would just, there is a level of like sadness when watching this movie though, because seriously, seriously, because though. of moments like that. And, yeah. and because it, this may be it, like <laughs> I may not see yeah. these uh, characters he, again in this context. He was supposed to be, because they're still planning to do the Flash movie. He was supposed to be in that. He was supposed to be in that. And they just, they said he's not going to be because of Warner Brothers. Yeah. The, you know, I mean, I think if he's going to be Cyborg again, it's going to be Zack Snyder directing him as Cyborg in whatever that may be. But I wanted to say really quick, currently, because of the success of this film and because of fans to see more of what Snyder is planning with these Justice League movies, the hashtag restore the Snyderverse that has replaced hashtag release the Snyder cut is now the biggest trending count of all time of hashtag in Hollywood history with 1.5 million tweets 
in less than 24 hours, beating hashtag Avengers Endgame at 1.4 million tweets, and even hashtag release the Snyder Cut with 1 million in one day, in 24 hours. That is crazy. And on top of all that, again, this is a temporary thing, and the same thing happened with Elizabeth Olsen during WandaVision, but according to IMDb, Zack Snyder right now is the most popular celebrity in the world because of this. <laughs> oh my what God. does that mean like in terms of searched for... On the internet? Um, Yeah, most searched for, most popular. That's crazy. God bless Twitter, am I right? Uh, No. I don't think you're right. Uh, no, but, God. but I do have to say it. it's interesting, like you were saying earlier and YouTube, but what fans, even toxic fandom has done and can do. I sort of like that we live in a world where production studios can't just do whatever they want anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's in a way toxic fandom is like a, it's like a system of checks and balances. Yeah, yeah totally. You know, I mean, fans can respond now. Mm-hmm. People can do shit now. Yeah, but production studios still going to do what they still, want. Yeah. They can still do whatever they want. But, but Warner like, Brothers, the reason I think that they have responded this way is because they don't know what they're doing. And they've yeah. shown that time and time again. In fact, I mean, after Justice League's epic failure in 2017, and then Wonder Woman just got smashed. Wonder Woman sequel. 1984. I think they're honestly, they have plans to keep going with Pattinson's Batman and the Flash movie. RIP Billy Crudup, but you know. He's not dead. His character just isn't coming back. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> Disclaimer. Billy Crudup is alive and well. He's dead to But me. I think Warner Brothers is in this position where I think they really are looking to fans and things like Reddit or whatever to kind of tell them like, what, what are we, how are we going to make money? That's what they're really asking. How are we going to make money on this? Get Reddit on the phone. <laughs> Get John Reddit. Sir, yeah. I have Reddit on the line. Could you call the people of Reddit and have them come down to film this? That's so funny. <laughs> I think there's, you asked earlier, like uh, the fans being able to sort of control things when, you know, in reality, the fans, just because the thing is popular, doesn't always mean a thing is good. It just so happened that in this case, Zack Snyder's Justice League was overwhelmingly better than what Joss was able to cut out of it in 2017. Yeah, and I even wonder if it would have had the same critical reception if there wasn't the baseline to compare it to. You mean Joss Whedon's Justice mm-hmm. League? I think it would have. If, yeah, if again, we had this long cut, like we said, if this was a two and a half hour film from It would have been different. I'm saying if we, yeah. if we just got Zack Snyder's Justice League and didn't get Justice League 2017, I kind of think the review meter would be a little bit lower. I mean, I think people, it wouldn't be as wide of an acceptance of the film, but I do think it's still like a, it's still a great epic mythology building thing as it intends to be. Mm-hmm. And it would still be reviewed rather well. But yeah, it's certainly become a footnote in the history books. Yeah, yeah, it's a great little HBO footnote, Max is bringing this to Zack Snyder. I, I think Justice it's just a League. really, I just love the story. I love how this film happened. The story in the film, I can't really, not much to talk about there. But like the story of how this thing came to fruition is just fascinating. And I know it's going to be, I mean, this could be like taught in film school. It's like this crazy moment in Hollywood history that gave birth to a fan made film that cost $400 million, basically. Yeah, the story is epic for sure. Yeah. Behind a lot of movies, like I, I was watching that, how it was made with Elf. Yeah, yeah, even how Elf was made, you know, it wasn't supposed to get made and the studio had no faith in it at all and they had zero money. They were literally like ripping off the Rudolph stop motion animation and, you know, and now it's like one of the most popular movies of Christmas time Mm -hmm. and behind every like really successful movie. I feel like there's usually a really good story there. Yeah. Uh, that people don't yeah. really know. Very fascinating. And this is definitely one of them. In 10, 20 years time, when I show my kids this movie, <laughs> and if they don't know the story behind it, I wonder if they'll think it's good at all. I'll be like, why does dad like that movie so much? Grandpa, <laughs> tell us about yeah. Zack Snyder's Justice Yeah, yeah exactly. I'll be like, well, <laughs> sit down. It's a long story. <laughs> Have I ever told you the story of Zack Snyder's Justice League? <laughs> it is not a story Warner Brothers would tell you. <laughs> no. No, it's not. That's my favorite thing that's been said this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to end on the note that I think this movie is good. <laughs> <laughs> Me, no, too. Um, Me too. We should have talked about this earlier, but the, the Lord of the Rings comparisons are palpable. Yeah. Again, we were talking about like looking at this film differently than other films. Like this is not just a movie, just like a superhero movie. It's like a yeah. 
it's a chapter in the Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a mm-hmm. chapter in like an epic, epic as in like the, the kind of story also by, you know, adjective, but an epic like Lord of the Rings scale cinematic feat, you yeah. know? It's something that may as well be like a really long book, but it just happened to be told in this medium. We get this cool window, four by three window through which to see it. Yeah, even the directing style of this movie sort of mirrors what Peter Jackson was doing with the Lord yeah. of the Rings movies. Yeah. Where, you know, it is very character focused. You have these long drawn out sequences, the slowing down, the, the slow motion that really brings you into the drama mm-hmm. and the beautiful music. We should, you know, the score of this is amazing. It really is. They rescored yeah. the whole movie. They took away Danny Elfman's score and replaced it with Junkies. What's his real name? Either of you Tom know? Hulkenborg. There yeah. you go. Junkie XL. And the music kind of plays into that really kind of slow, creeping, dramatic style that Lord of the Rings had captured. And that made it super cinematic and beautiful to watch. There are moments of Justice League that are just beautiful and cinematic. And I mean, You get a sense of scale in this yeah. movie and sense of stakes that I'd say has not been matched since I've never seen Return it. of the King. I mean, even in... Yeah, Marvel movie. I mean, yeah. I would say even Endgame. Even the end of Endgame. Unbelievable yeah, like, stakes, but yeah. like just something about it, like the yeah. characters don't rise to meet the it's stakes. It's the way that this is directed that makes it unique. Yeah. And for a superhero film, it's never been done before. Yeah. That's why I think the critics have been res- responding so favorably mm-hmm. toward Zack Snyder's Justice League is mm-hmm. because uh, I mean, this has never do been that done. that just requires an immense amount of time and yeah. breathing room within yeah. your scenes. I mean, like five years to make this movie. In five years to make the movie. <laughs> yeah, true. Gabe's still here. They said the Age of Heroes would never come again. Well, it has to. Not us united. Here's to uh, hashtag restore the Snyderverse. Restore the Snyderverse. God, please. Warner Brothers, shut the f- up and make it. My man. My man. <laughs> <laughs> The greatest tragedy is we'll probably never see Amber Heard as Queen Mira again. Oh, and we like that's seeing That's not her. true. She's scheduled to be in the Aquaman sequel. There's no way. I mean, I doubt that's... Con- okay, maybe. No, it's literally 100% legit. After what she did to well, Johnny Depp? I'm believing you. I'm just saying, like, I, I feel like that's not going to hold up. Oh, it might not hold up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. No, I definitely... But I as of right now, Daniel, she yeah. is currently supposed to be in that movie. And, yeah, people are tweeting at Warner Brothers going, how could you cancel Johnny Depp from being in Fantastic Beasts? Oh. You know, and still allow Amber yeah, Heard to be in the Aquaman yeah. sequel. That's a whole separate hashtag, by the way. That's happening. Yeah.